I think art is that which we are sort of compelled to do. Art is whatever you need it to be. Art is part of human nature. Art is a thing we can't explain with words. Art is an invitation. Art is an expression of our human nature. Art is political. Art is resistance. Art is compulsory catharsis. Art is creative imagination. Art is intangible. Art is expressing one's soul. Art is the point. Art is the part is the point. Art 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 is the point. Thanks for tuning in to KWVA News, Arts and Culture. You're listening to University of Oregon's one and only campus radio station, KWVA Eugene, 88.1 Wonderful. As always, I'm happy to have you here, so thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. If you are tuned in to the beat of the university, you'll know that it's week nine. That's week nine out of the 10 total weeks in a term, excluding finals week. So needless to say, I am very tired, and I think everyone else is too. But that does not mean that today's arts and culture will be any less interesting than it usually is. Not to mention we have a birthday bash coming up. That's right, KWVA is turning 25 this June, finally old enough to rent a car. So if you're interested in coming to our birthday party, it will be held at the WOW Hall on June 1st. It should be really fun. Admission is $5 for students and $7 for community members. And some of the artists that will be performing include the Illiquips, I hope I'm saying that right, and DJ Disco Jack, among others. It would be bomb if you could come by and help us celebrate, but no pressure. In the meantime, here's this week's arts and culture coming at you. Now you'll recall I mentioned it's week nine and I'm tired. That means everyone else is tired too. <laughs> I'm not special. So that means we have some reruns for you this week from earlier in this year, but far enough back that I bet you won't remember them. First up, we have a What's Up Eugene from last winter that covers Get Air, a trampoline park, and then we have a fun interview from Saravia when she and I interviewed comedian Hari Kondabolu. So don't touch that dial. Arts and Culture is coming up next. You're listening to University of Oregon's one and only campus radio station, KWVA, 88.1 Wonderful. Thanks for tuning in. Keep it locked here, folks. What's Up Eugene is coming up next. What's up, Eugene? I'm so glad you've chosen to tune in to season two of my show. If you are sleeping on season one, you can find it on KWVA's website, but please stick around and see what this is all about. I'm your host, reporter, researcher, editor, and producer, Elle Myers. <laughs> it's still more or less a one-girl show over here, but like I say, I can't have creative differences with myself, now can I? What's Up Eugene is designed to help you figure out what there is to do in and around University of Oregon, beyond frat parties and football tailgates. Last week, I visited the Bijou Theater. It was a perfect rainy day activity, but this week, I thought I might try something a little bit more active. After some research, I found Get Air Eugene. It's an indoor trampoline park out in West Eugene. Now, I didn't grow up here, so it was news to me that Eugene had a trampoline park. But the more I work for this segment, the more I realize there's stuff to do, which, to be fair, was my original point in starting this show. 
But anyway, GetAir looks sort of like a warehouse from the outside. It's nestled next to other inconspicuous businesses. The sign was low enough to the ground that I nearly missed the turnoff, although I probably should have been wearing my glasses. When I walked inside, I realized just how big a place this was. There were party rooms, multiple foam pits, and hundreds of square feet of trampoline, not to mention a designated dodgeball area and ninja course. The employees wear striped referee jerseys so they can be seen easily. They're also called lifeguards, which I thought was kind of funny considering there's no water. I brought a few friends from the station since I figured I would be too busy recording to jump around myself, so you'll hear them a little later in the segment. Before you can jump, you have to sign a waiver to acknowledge the danger of trampolining, and little ones under the age of 12 need parent supervision. I was assured that people rarely get hurt when they're jumping by Jarris, who's one of the shift managers there. Uh, my name is Jarris Johnson, and I'm a shift lead here at Get Air. So, I mean, I got hired here pretty soon after we opened, and then I've had the job ever since. Jairus has been working at Get Air for about two years. Uh, my friend was working here, and, uh, <clears throat> and she said it was a really cool environment, and she said all of the coworkers were really nice. She said the boss was really cool, uh, and so I was like, cool, let's do it. Jairus does a lot of two major tasks. Uh, a lot of checking people in. Um, that's making sure they have waivers making sure that they have grip socks on their feet, um, doing lots of good customer service, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and then beyond that, if I'm not checking people in, I'm a lifeguard up on deck, which means that we're just keeping jumpers safe. But when he's not doing his managerial tasks, he gets to talk to people. I think the best is when you have a really good customer uh, and they're having a great time and you connect really well. Uh, and you get a little bit, I feel like working here, you kind of tend to get a little piece of everybody's life story because oftentimes you have parents who are just watching their kids jump. Uh, and so they have nothing to do for like an hour and a half. So naturally they'll come up and ask you questions and all that kind of stuff. And you, and as long as you're a good talker and you have, and you have good questions back, um, you get to learn a lot about a lot of people, I feel like, which is really cool. And I feel like that's really rewarding. This surprised me a little. Who knew that an employee at a trampoline park would get close to the regulars? But that's just what happened. Here's Jairus again. He came in one time and we really connected, uh, just talking, just vibing really well. And uh, we both did music. Uh, we both played music. And, uh, and, I, and I told him to go check out my music online and he said he would. And then he came in again uh, and I kind of, you know, I kind of nagged him about it and he said he hadn't checked it out and whatever. And he said he promised he would go check it out. So then he went home uh, and he came back uh, some random shift and I still hadn't gotten any of his contact info or anything um, and he came back and said he listened to it uh, and then we actually arranged a day to like hang out and jam which was pretty cool uh, and then that's blossomed a really cool friendship. I got lucky. I actually got to talk to Jairus's favorite customer. His name is Eric. Uh, my name is Eric with a K and my last name is House like you live in. If I had a nickel for every time I said that. Like Jairus said, the two bonded over music. Uh, and uh, next thing you know we I was like it piqued my interest, and I said, well, if you ever want to jam, uh, come to find out he's an amazing drummer, too. Uh, he can play the piano. I uh, sing like a bird. I mean, he's just uber-talented that way. And on top of that, he's, he's a kind and considerate person, and that's right, right in my ballpark. So uh, next thing you know, I'm his bass player. Cool. That's a pretty rare thing, I feel like, is to like, uh, meet a customer and connect with them really well and then have a friendship beyond work. I was starting to realize that there was more to this trampoline park than just springs and foam pits. The people working here aren't apathetic about their jobs. This is Yossi. Hi, I'm Yossi from Getter. 
She's been working at Get Air for about a year. Um, I really love working with kids. Um, it's a really fun environment. Uh, all the employees are super, super nice. Get Air is really great, but like all jobs, the employees sometimes have to deal with things they don't want to. Here's Jaris again. Uh, my least favorite part about uh, Get Air is occasionally um, you'll have a situation where uh, kids will maybe get a little emotional about a dodgeball game, something like that, uh, and you have to go in and <laughs> make sure no fights happen, <clears throat> make sure nothing dangerous is going on, um, and I feel like kind of clearing up the trouble is sometimes uh, something that can happen because when you have a lot of kids in a <clears throat> packed environment and there's lots of energy and everybody's uh, you know playing dodgeball or being physical or whatever, uh, it can get a little dicey sometimes and we have to get in there and break it up and make sure it's safe for everybody. So that's something that can be a burden, but I think is ultimately rewarding if you do it correctly. Yossi said something pretty similar in response to that question. Probably dealing with injuries. It's kind of one of those things that you don't like doing, but that's kind of what you're here for. Get Air is meant for kids of all ages. In fact, Yossi says... Um, so you can bring any like kid of any age. Um, usually the kids who actually are jumping and not crawling are like one, but... Um, yeah, you can bring anybody in here. So I would be remiss if I didn't talk to at least one kid for this segment. As you can imagine, it was a little difficult to find one that wasn't actively bouncing or struggling to get out of a foam pit. But my timing was good. Meet Eric with a C. He's son of Eric with a K, who you heard from earlier. Here he is talking about what he likes about Get Air. I usually just hang out at Foost, and then... Uh, last time I was here, I usually just go and try and find some new friends to hang out with them. That's usually all I really do. He explains that his favorite activity there is dodgeball. And he goes on to tell me about his future plans at Get Air. Uh, what's your favorite part? Probably dodgeball. You like dodgeball? Yep. Are you getting good at dodgeball? Yes, I've been improving. I've come to a birthday party here once. And I want to do my birthday party here, so we'll have to see how that turns out. Do you have a trampoline at home? No, I do not. So all my practice is done here on trampolines. The Saturday I visited Get Air with a few of my friends, it was mostly kids jumping. But I was told that on Friday nights, they have a DJ that plays music to attract an older crowd. And I think it's worth mentioning that they all had a great time, even without a DJ. All right, Fun front flip, try one. Oh, oh, oh. Thing he just did, but better. Oh. Yeah, you count it off. I'm gonna start running though. Yeah, yeah. Like I mentioned before, this week I was hoping to find a rainy day activity that was more active, and I sure found it. Here are some things to keep in mind if you're planning a visit to get air. You have to buy these grippy socks to bounce, but you get to keep them, and they're pretty inexpensive. You have to sign a waiver acknowledging that you know jumping can be dangerous and be prepared to break a sweat. I didn't realize it at first, but you're basically jumping and climbing and running for an hour and a half straight. I had a really good time recording this week's segment, so I'd like to give a special thanks to Jaris and Yossi, the two employees at Get Air that agreed to be interviewed, to Eric with a C and Eric with a K, who are both great interviewees, and last but not least, my friends who you heard at the very end there. Katie, Connor, and Amy.
great thing about What's Up Eugene is that we get to interact with you. Is there a place you frequent, maybe an event that you love? If you drop us a line, we might come cover it. And by we, I really just mean me. You can DM us on Twitter, shoot us an email at news at kwvaradio.org, or kick it old school and give the station a call at 541-346-4091. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. And this song's dedicated to those people who don't have health insurance yet. Enroll, we say, we want you to be okay. Enroll, we say, take care of people for goodness sake. Health insurance is now affordable. It covers prescriptions, hospitalizations, and preventive care. Visit GetCoveredAmerica.org to learn more. And take care, people. Brought to you by Get Covered America and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, you're listening to KWVA, Eugene Arts and Culture. I'm Saravya Tarepalli, and I'm co-hosting today with Elle Myers, and we're here with a special guest calling in from New York, comedian Hari Kondabolu. Thanks for having me. Hari has released three live stand-up albums, including two chart-topping releases, Mainstream American Comic and debut album Waiting for 2042. He most recently released a live stand-up album called New Material Night Volume 1, which he recorded in San Francisco. He also hosts the popular podcast Politically Reactive with co-host and friend W. Kamau Bell and has a documentary coming out, The Problem with Apu, about the stereotypical Simpsons character that will premiere November 19th on True TV. His work focuses on bringing a comedic light to race, comedy, and social justice issues, and he will be performing at the Eugene Holt Center on Thursday, November 16th. So Eugene is 85.48% white, and the South Asian population here is minuscule. What brings you to Eugene, and what is it like performing in such white communities? Um, well, you should know that the, the majority of the country is white. Uh, so when I go to a place... Uh, I can't just judge it based on the uh, minority population or the South, Asia, uh, South Asian population because then I, I couldn't play anywhere. So, um, you know, I think I know that Eugene has, you know, smart audiences, and I've heard that it's a, a, a pretty progressive-minded city. And, you know, I think when I'm thinking about performing a place, the thing I hope for is a place that will give me a chance. Do you know what I mean? Just the opportunity to to share the ideas and see if I can make you laugh. I think some places 
you you know that's harder and you really have to try to reach the people you hope will pay attention and listen to the work um you know because at the end of the day even if there are people that disagree with my point of view if they at least give it a chance and at least try to understand my perspective it can still be funny so yeah i'm i love the northwest i always have i've performed at the U of O a couple of times, so it's exciting to actually do a public show in Eugene. And also generally, like, you know, I think I talk about cultural things, but I, I talk less about uh, South Asian identity than I do about race in general. I just, I feel like the South Asian part is kind of what informs it, but like, you know, I, I think it's less about like specific cultural things, though that's definitely a part of it, but uh, I think about lot, lots about constructions of race and how racism kind of functions and you know, to me, it's like this broader thing, you know, if we're going to try to f- find intersections between various people of color and, and, and our kind of shared struggles, I think it's important to also, like, find those connections uh, and, and make sure, uh, you know, we, we say them publicly. Um, I wanted to actually play a clip. Like, my parents are getting older, right? When you have older parents, you have to have difficult conversations with them, what they want for their final wishes, right? Cremation, funeral. These are difficult conversations that I've been having recently. And because I am who I am, I decided it was time to tell my parents what I wanted for my final wishes, right? (laughs) So I told them, I said, if I'm ever murdered, it's very important that the killer doesn't get the death penalty because I don't believe in state violence. So don't push for the death penalty. I don't want my death to lead to another death, Regardless of what this person did to me or to my body, I don't want the killer to get the death penalty. And I remember what my mother said to me. She said, why do you always have to ruin dinner? It's not about dinner, Mom. It's about my final wishes. They should be respected. You're not that famous, hurry. Nobody's going to kill you, okay? You don't know that. Dad tells people I'm Aziz Ansari. You don't even know. Um, can you talk a little bit about how your family might have influenced the political nature of your comedy or otherwise influenced? My parents, my parents were not politically active at all, actually. Oh. Um, they had no, they, they didn't, like, there was no protesting, there was no marching, there was no uh, overt political conversations. There were values and there was a sense of justice um, and a sense of community that certainly were instilled at a very young age, but a lo- like a lot of, I think, first, uh, you know, the first wave of immigrants or ju- people who just got here, like, they wanted to keep their heads down at work. They, did, they wanted us to avoid trouble, no confrontation, turn the other cheek, just stick up for yourself, stick up for yourself, make sure you're, you're proud of who you are, but just stay out of trouble. And, you know, when you when you decide to be a political being, and especially one that you know, wants to challenge the status quo, you don't stick your head down and you don't stay away from trouble. You're smart in how you approach trouble, but you can't hide from trouble because that trouble is where the change can be sometimes. It's getting in trouble and to to make a point and be righteous. And so, you know, I think for my parents, I mean, they're extremely proud of the kind of comedy I do. And they're proud of both me and my brother for, for being very clear with what we, we, you know, we stand for, but it, that didn't come from from them exactly. It didn't come from, I would say, um, them instilling certain political values. What we got instilled was a sense of dignity, a sense of that uh, you should be proud of who you are, uh, a sense of what community can look like, working together looks like, a sense of like, you know, my parents worked with a, a wide range of different human beings, and we saw how that worked. We saw how like multicultural and diversity worked. 
in Queens, like we, we got those things instilled often silently, but it wasn't overtly political. So can you tell me a little bit um, about what it was like growing up where you grew up? In Queens? Yeah. Um, Queens is, a very, is, is one of the most diverse places in the world, and, and, and diverse not in just, um, you know, specific. Like, I think when people think of diversity, they, they just think of race, but there's also, like, diversity of cultures and languages, uh, class with status, without status, you know, immigration status. I mean, I grew up with a real cross-section of America. And, and so for me, I knew that I was a minority, but mainly because the world around me told me that. Like, my, actually commun- my actual community was very diverse, but when you watch TV and film, you realize that the country isn't Queens. And that was really hard for me to understand, you know? Like, you get sheltered by wherever you're at that's unless you get to travel outside of it regularly when you were younger it it, you don't see how you know this doesn't reflect the whole country so i kind of got sheltered in that diversity and and i think i was very privileged i have i have a tough time when people talk about um when they talk about america and they talk about the direction that it's going in and they talk about a, a society that's um you know uh going to have multiple languages and cultures and how people don't like that and this is not the America we know. I get frustrated by that because the America I know and the one I grew up in is the one they're describing and it's that they fear. Mm-hmm. You know, they fear an America with, that is multilingual, multicultural, and that is constantly changing. And, and it bothers me because they're afraid of where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And as someone who grew up in such a like wonderful, diverse setting, like I, I feel really privileged that I was able to see the whole world you know, without having to see the whole world. Like, I had glimpses of people's cultures and their lives in this really beautiful way. So um, I'm really uh, lucky that I I was born and raised in Queens. Um, I feel fortunate that I still live in New York City. And, um, yeah, no, it was was a great place to grow up. Do you think it has, like, influenced your comedy? Do you draw on anything from your childhood that, you know, from your community? I mean, I think part of what I... I draw from is knowing that it doesn't have to be um, like I, I went to college in Maine and then I, I you know lived in the Northwest specifically in Seattle and in those settings especially in Maine like I felt my color more than than I had growing up like I knew I was the other I knew uh, people would talk to me and look at me and ask me questions as if I was a foreign in some way you know what I mean like I was not of that place and it, it was upsetting it was upsetting that like i i couldn't be an american in those settings where in the you know in queens i could wear like multiple kind of caps and so when i see the world and i see like injustice i i i compare it to what i grew up with and it's not to say queens didn't have racism and injustice and all the things that you know, we're all fighting around the country. That's not to say that, but it is to say that we, we were more exposed to, like, difference, and you had to grow up with difference, whether that's your public high school or a subway car. Like, you, you, you see it. You have to humanize each other because you share space. And when I'm on stage, I think about those things. I think about ignorance in terms of what experiences does the person have and what do they not have. What do they grow up with? What do they fear? What are they ignorant of? So, I mean, I grew up, you know, 
in a very cosmopolitan city. Queens can be a little bit more residential and suburban. But we still had an incredible amount of diversity, more than I than I would say that maybe you know Manhattan or some of the other boroughs. I mean, Queens is is a place where people live for generations and just move. But you get both sharing space and learning from each other. So certainly, I think that kind of as cynical as I can be, that that degree of idealism and hope comes from where I grew up. So. I want to then talk a little bit about your work that's coming up, um, particularly your documentary that's coming out. And you probably know this, but a lot of our listeners may not know that the creator of The Simpsons, Matt Gronig, is from Oregon. And Gronig has mm-hmm. actually said that he named the town of Springfield after Springfield, Oregon, which is a suburb of Eugene. So could you just tell us a little bit about your up- upcoming film, where you got the idea from? Sure. Um, my film is called The Problem with Apu, and it's about the Indian convenience store owner on The Simpsons that is based on the stereotype of Indians working in convenience stores. Very, a very one-dimensional character, and uh, I grew up a Simpsons fan. I still love The Simpsons, and it was always that tricky thing where I loved this show, but why does this aspect have to hurt me? This, this, you know, that was the only representation that South Asians had regularly in America for, for decades, you know, maybe at least 10 years, if not more. That was it. It was just a poo. It was just a cartoon character. And that is extremely difficult, especially when you see yourself as an American or when you're trying to exist as an American and be part of the whole and you're being told you're, you're an other. And it was also difficult because, you know, there's a, a generation of us that I think we're a little embarrassed by our parents, and that's, that's sad. I was embarrassed certainly about the way they spoke, um, how come their grammar wasn't perfect? How come, you know, their their accents are the way they are? And, and you know, are, are people laughing at them? Who could I invite into my house? Who would I allow to see our customs and our, our, our you know, our food and our languages? And I didn't, you know, you become really protective because it becomes, uh, you know, you feel threatened because this is how the world sees you. And I, you know, I knew I wasn't the only one who had that experience. And I had done a piece on a TV show called Totally Biased on the FX network. My friend W. Kamau Bell used to host it. And I was the, one of the writers and a correspondent on the show. And uh, I wanted to do a piece about Mindy Kaling's new show at the time, The Mindy Project. And, you know, he, uh, he wanted me to do a piece. And I was writing about the history of South Asian representation and, and particularly Indian representation. And I wrote about Apu, and the whole thing felt corny to me initially. Why am I still talking about this? This is old. Everybody talks about this. And I had to be reminded that not everybody talks about this. My community is aware of this and talks about this. This is a character that annoys us, but this isn't a phenomenon that the whole country talks about. And so when the piece went out and it went somewhat viral, it was exciting because I knew that there was something in this topic and specifically in the Simpsons part that caught people's imaginations because, you know, the Simpsons is this global phenomenon. So I just felt like, you know, I knew this character had affected so many of us. I knew there was an interesting discussion to, to get into, especially since as a nation we've been talking about identity and representation. This was a way in. And because I knew so many of my peers had had similar experiences. I knew that like Aziz would talk about it in Hassan and Cal Penn and so many other people, Asif Manvi. Like I knew that I was going to get the voices. And going back to Oregon, um, 
how has your reception been in general in Oregon? Like, I know you said you go to Portland in the Northwest a lot, and it you seem to think it's a progressive community. It's generally pretty positive. I mean, I feel like I get a, a lot of love. I mean, it also has to be noted that, like, you know, I've also been there enough where I have a base that likes me and knows my work. So it's not like I'm going to Portland or Seattle necessarily and people aren't trained and aware of what I do. You know what I mean? There's a certain kind of training when you go to multiple shows, like, yeah, this is what he thinks, and we know his point of view, and I came for that, and it's consistent with what he's done in the past, or this is a change, and it's an interesting view. Like, Eugene, on the other hand, will be interesting just because, like, I've never really headlined in, in public, and I know that when W. Kamau Bell was there recently, that there was some incident during his there, show yeah. where there was a fight in the crowd. I don't know what that was about, but I do know that, like, Eugene is not a place I've done a public show, and now I'm I'm curious and I'm a little worried. Well, we want to know if there's anything else that you're planning to do in Oregon coming up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a show in Eugene um, at the Holt Center on uh, November 16th, and I'm also going to be doing a show in Portland on uh, December 13th at the Aladdin Theater. So... Those are the two things I'm, I'm doing in Oregon coming up. And, you know, of course, if I can, I'd like to spend more time than a day, but we'll see what happens. Piece of advice for Eugene, make Corvallis jokes. Yeah, OSU bad. jokes. Give OS yeah. jo- OSU jokes. <laughs> well, you'll know, if, if I do, you know why. You'll know it was you that got me to do it. So <laughs> I'll, that, that'll be my, my wink to you. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, You're welcome. Thank you very much for coming on our show. We really appreciate you talking to us. We look forward to seeing you at the Holt Center tomorrow. Fantastic. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thanks.